What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Obsession Podcast. I am Mike Saylor. And I am Carl Bucky. Carl. Yeah, hey, buddy. I am outstanding. It's great to hear. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good. What, what are we going to talk about today? Well, let's talk about things to do and not to do during the pre-rut. Last week of October, what we're basically talking last week and a half, last week of October, we will at that particular time be on our vacation. Correct, sir. Our favorite time of year. Every year you guys hear us talk about it all the time from October 20th through our favorite day. Halloween, October 31st, I'm sure. The baby. That's when the monsters come yeah, out. Right. We'll be we'll be on vacation until like the sixth of November, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's and after that, if we need be, <laughs> if we have to, I'll call in uninterested. That's I'm true. Not afraid to do it. <laughs> uninterested. Yeah, you not know, interested in coming in. You know the boss or something. I do. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'll just call him up. Yeah, call myself. Like, Suck it. I'm not coming in. <laughs> There's a fact right there. Yeah, buddy. Pre rut. Pre rut. My favorite. Now this is the you know the pre rut. You guys have asked us you know what are some of our tactics when we hunt the pre rut. Well, we should say what the pre-rut is to us. The pre-rut to us, the most aggressive time of year. Yeah, aggressive stage of the buck. Yep. You know? and that's their most most movement, I think, during daylight time. And why are they doing that? They're an animal. It's getting to be breeding time. They want all the girls to know, hey, here I am, and I'm ready. Right. Are you ready? And uh, so they get... Stupid, I, I want to say. I, they're never stupid, just yeah, so they, people know. They let their guard down. A little bit. They do things that's say that. not normal for them. Right. So, what are the best places that we think to hunt, at least areas, when we start that time? Because this is, the questions that they've asked are, what tactics do we use? What locations do we hunt? And why do we hunt them, obviously? Mm-hmm. And then... Are there obviously morning and evening locations? That oh, stuff. yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to have morning and evening. Of course we are. Every time. Uh, yep. Is it going to be in the same stand? No. Because, you know, we're going to have stands that are set for our mornings now where we, like now we're hunting that edge yep. here and there. So now these stands are going to be probably moved in a little tighter. Um, some of them could even be on the same trails, which yep. most of our stuff is set up for east-west movement yeah. on our properties, but we're going to move in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one thing that's going to happen in the morning. It's still, both of us hunt more ridges. Yes. So we're going to be watching our thermals still. That's not going to change. Correct. Obviously, when we're moving in in the morning, um, you know, and watch what our temperatures are going to do. Um, Obviously, our thermal is going to drop later morning. Those are stands we're going to get out of. Um, you know. Let's get this question answered right away. Mike, are there all day sits in the same stand? No. We both believe there are no such things as an all day sit in the same stand based off of our last 30 years of hunting. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh... There's always a better spot percentage-wise that you can move to from morning to midday yep. to evening. <clears throat> Maybe even three locations if you're hunting all day. Right. When you got to watch, you know, what your wind's doing that day. Um, I mean, is it going to stay steady? Is it going to pick up? Is it switching in the afternoon? You know, is it 
Uh, I think a lot of people screw up on that. They get in a stand in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, I got a north wind. Yeah. Um, and then an hour and a half into that, you got a west wind. And they don't move. Yeah, so and you're not moving. So you got to look ahead for that. You know, um, and, you know, I think where a lot of people fail in that, and we don't do it anymore. Yeah. We, and used, to, we used to push the limits a lot on that, but, you know, like, oh, I can get in it for a little while, you know, and then I'll just, ah, maybe it'll be okay. It's probably not going to be okay, so go sit somewhere else. Yeah. Sit somewhere that you're safe for both of those, you know. Yeah. Um, rather than screwing something up. Right. If you're hunting public <laughs> land where there's a lot of other hunters and stuff, you can kind of, I, in my opinion, push the edge a little bit. If you're hunting your own property, a smaller piece of property, the deer that are on that property are the deer you have to hunt. So if you educate them, it's over. Yeah, it is. They're going to go. So on a public piece, um, you know, remember you don't have the ability to know exactly where everybody is. So hunt to your best location and use your percentages there. Um, that's a big one. You know, a lot of you guys ask us about public land hunting. We filmed our TV show, Hunting Public Land, and we would do push the edges quite a bit um, and be successful with it. Right. A lot of work. Um, and you guys can shoot big deer on public. We want you know, everybody to know that. Um, but we're talking currently right now, what our, we're referring to as our, our own personal property here. And, um, you know, like Mike said, the morning hunts, we're using our thermals for up. Mid-afternoon is a good transition area. Yeah, I, position. I, near bed. I like to hunt um, those morning stands too a lot where I've got a lot of scrapes. Yeah. Um, so if you've got a stand that you can overlook some scrapes, it's kind of a, usually a good spot to be, not that they're gonna touch them every time. No. But obviously they're using those and they're, they are set in territory. Yeah. Um, so that, that can be a, a factor. I know we both killed deer yep. on scrape lines. Yep. Um, well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit. There is a difference between a scrape line and a rub line, and in my opinion, percentage of which one is higher. I believe that a scrape line percentage chance of shooting a buck is higher mm-hmm. than shooting on a rub line. Oh, I agree. Because deer will walk through the woods and randomly rub on Yeah, they don't care. Now, if they're just you know trying to put places there. A lot of people will tell you, you know, the rub line uh, is consistent to where they're going to bed. It shows line of movement back and forth or line of movement to food. Well, it, that's partially true. Um, it's not something that I would bet on to the percentage I would on a scrape, mm-hmm. scrape line. Yeah, scrape at some point, a deer is going to hit it again. And you're going to get does using yeah, them too. Does are going to use them. Um, it, it's their way of marking things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, obviously, you see, you know, we do a lot of uh, mocks. Yeah. So um, some of those mocks we don't hunt until later. Yep. So no, that's, you know, that's a stand location. We're probably going to be on that mock. All of our mocks are shootable. Yes. All your mocks better be shootable. Yeah, never put up a scrape that, <laughs> never put up a mock scrape that you're not going to be able to hunt. So, I mean, you know, that's, I think I see it more in the morning of them checking those scrapes, it seems like. Yeah. Walk in that kind of same pattern. Then at night, I think night they're more just yeah looking. Yeah, more. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think they're marking more in the morning, in my opinion. No, I agree. You You'll know. see. Even our cameras show more morning activity yeah. on our mock scrapes. Um, maybe not so much beginning of year, but this time of year, you guys, those box scrapes and scrape lines are far more productive in the mornings than they are in the afternoons. Yeah. 
I wouldn't, to be honest, uh, I'm not a huge fan of hunting mock scrapes in the afternoons. No, we usually don't. No, the, I, I would hunt a mock near a food area because I know that all the dillos, as they progress to the food, are going to hit that mock. Think of the mocks as a, as a social area for the deer. Any active scrape is a social area for the deer. Uh, one in particular spot that we talked about earlier, because of the change on your property this year, you're saying that they're using the lower trail east-west mm -hmm. and hitting, putting scrapes all along that mm -hmm. and hitting our mocks. Yep. And last year, we didn't have that. No. But, you know, just for instance, the one, the trail from the campsite down to the pond. Yep. I had a camera on that. Yep. I didn't get a deer on it. Nope, I remember. And I shot that. and I shot my deer right below that. Yeah, twenty. 20 but now this from. year they're using that trail back and forth. Right. Stand still in the same spot. Yep. You know, and now that's a stand that will get in. Yeah. Whereas before I'm not getting in that stand. Right. You know, but now yeah. you can get in that in the morning. You can hunt that in the morning, or you can hunt in the afternoon. That's a better morning spot. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you could hunt it either. Morning is going to be better again because our thermos are warm, so you're safe. You know, and you can get out when it's you an need easy to. in and it's an easy out. Yep. You know, and you know those night ones now. Um, in our case, we're going to sit closer on our food, a little tighter to the bed. Yep. You know, with everything being right. Yeah. Because you know, those bucks are going to come out in those plots. Yeah. And why are they coming? They're coming <laughs> for the does. Yep. So you guys got to figure this time of year pre-rut stuff. You want to shoot bucks? You hunt the does. Where are the does feeding at night? Where are they bedding during the day? Transition in between that, you know. Um, if you get does in front of you uh, during an evening hunt on a food plot or near a food plot, that's the best bait you could ever have. Because <laughs> they're going to come and check. Yep. You know, and our, our tactics too, I mean, this is when we start to call. Yeah. Obviously. And... You know, we've talked about this so many times too. Is getting too crazy with the calls. You want to be a little careful of that stuff, and you know, we don't. We're not big believers in blind calling. No. You know, you can throw a call out here, or there, a grunt, mm -hmm. a grunt, a grunt. You know, and people are sitting there and they're grunt. I mean, that deer knows where you are. You know, and if you see a deer <laughs> and you call to him, and he doesn't respond. And you hit a little louder, and he, you see his ears twitch or move, but he doesn't look at you. You don't have to hit him again. He heard you. He already knows. Yeah. Yeah. And, and trust me, if he's not looking and coming right now, he's probably going to circle. Oh yeah. And check it out at some point. But the more you do it, the more they pinpoint you. Um, and if you do it too much, yeah. they just realize that you're not a real deer. Yeah. Because deer don't go walking <laughs> through the woods. Right. Bad. <laughs> now they will when they're chasing a doe, yeah. but there's a lot more noise going yeah, on at sure. that point too. But I mean, even the other day, you had one of your bigger bucks come by, um, and you he was he grunted a couple times, and yep. he was looking around. And you said he nudged a couple. Yeah, does. he nudged a couple does, and they just took off. Yeah, you know, and he knew obviously nothing's going on yet, and he just off he went off he went down back into the bottom yep so and now you know you guys when we get to tactics again too now towards the end of the month it's it's rattling time and decoy time, decoy time. and decoy setups <clears throat> somebody asked me actually the other day was talking about our decoy setups and how we set up a decoy and i'll be honest um in the last couple of years i really haven't used them mike's shot more bucks over decoys than i have in the last couple of years 
actually the last couple of years we haven't even shot them over decoys no. but like four years five years back i think you shot two or three yeah, in the road down here road, i shot them over a decoy um and that also has come down to the deer the personality of the deer it and does. stuff yeah i mean you know call a call or a decoy is like anything else it's gonna work sometimes sometimes it's not right um you know i i decoy um i don't decoy in the morning no, I've never decoyed. Uh, so, I mean, if anybody wants to take that tip, I don't do it. I've only decoyed at night, night sits. Uh, and that's when it's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I helped Phil set up his decoy last year, and that's how that worked for him. That was a night sit on the buck he killed. Yep. Uh, God, he's gorgeous. He will be going to the taxidermist soon. I do want to say I want to thank Big Mike and Carl. Yeah, you know, I've learned so much over the with them in the last couple of years. They kind of take me under their wing. I've been hunting for my whole life, but uh, just new tactics. You know, you guys got to look at, listen to his their podcast, and that they know what the hell they're talking about. Yep. Um, oh, yes. I don't know. I just don't feel that it's beautiful. It's big in the morning for them, I don't yeah. know. You yeah. know, the only deer I've ever seen decoy. In the morning, and it really wasn't even the decoy. Now that I think about it, it's when Jr. had that great big white buck come out to him, mm-hmm. and that was that buck was just chasing that doe, and that doe came to that decoy. Right. Otherwise, that buck wouldn't have come to that decoy. Right. So yeah, I, you know, people, it's a lot of trial and error. It is. You put a you know you put a decoy out there, and um, I've seen lots of times does come out and they blow at that and they take off. They don't like it. Yep. But Mark. remember. End of the day, you're not hunting that doe. Yeah. You want to see what the buck's going to do reacting to that decoy. Yeah. So you got to sit tight on it. You're not going to get up and move the decoy after you're already set up in a stand. And you just leave it. You know, yep. And leave play it set up. Play it through for the for your hunt because <clears throat> just because one deer reacts negatively doesn't mean the next one won't react positively. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough in our areas where the bucks are rather aggressive, mm-hmm. um, and you'll see it by mid mid pre-rut where a lot of the bucks on my property are broke up or even on Mike's property because they're fighting. Yeah, they've been pushing around and dinking around all yeah. last month already. Yeah, so it is decoy time. Um, if you want to carry a decoy in, you know, when you go for your setup, whenever you set have your stand set up, you got to make sure a couple things. You know, you want that decoy kind of quartered at you in the stand off of your both side arms so you can actually have that deer. He'll, they always face each other. They never come around and go straight to the backside of the deer or whatever. If an aggressive buck comes in, he's going to come to attack that decoy. They're going to go head to head. So that gives you that quartering away shot you need. Um, when it comes to wind direction and that, you always want that wind, you know, either across, away from you, from the location where you think the deer are going to be coming from, because they're always going to approach uh, a decoy from basically a, a up, well, basically a downwind location if they can, because they're gonna try and scent it. Um, if they get around on it and you didn't spray it off or something like that, that's another deal too. But um, you wanna be back far enough. You know, my big thing is 20 <clears throat> yards. Yep, I always set them up at about 20. Yep, and. Deer will hang up a lot on a decoy. They will. Especially big deer. Yeah. You know, and you're gonna be looking at that 30, 35, yeah, even I shot the one out here at 40. Yep. He hung up. And I did that because of light. You know, losing light. Yeah, I remember but, that. You know, and set them up 
the way a deer would stand in the wind. Yeah. I see people do that all the time. <laughs> you know, um, if the wind's coming in, you know, to your face, the deer's not going to have his ass in the wind. No. It's not what they would do, you know. So you got to think of that setup. They're going to circle that deer. If they see that, they're going to, if they do come in, they're going to be on alert anyway. Yeah, and then they're going to be, you know, higher alert. And they're already going to be cranked up when they see it usually. Yeah. Watch for the aggression of the buck at a longer yardage, because yeah, you'll you see know. him. If you grunt at a buck, he's on the other side of the field. Let's just say he's 120 yards away. Mike and I have seen this before multiple times. You grunt, he looks, all of a sudden he just ear, lays his ears back, you just shut up. Yeah. Because he's come. Don't do nothing else. No. He's yeah. going to come. Might take him some time. He's going to bust some stuff up. Yep. But he's going to get there. Yeah. Could take 30 minutes. Yeah. We've seen that. Which is nice. Yes. Because it gives you time to calm down. <laughs> get a little relaxed. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you know, positioning on that kind of stuff is key. Um, calling on that kind of stuff is key. You know, yeah. like Carl said, you give a grunt, he looks, he sees that deer, that decoy. That's enough. You know, yeah. Let him, let him do what he's gonna do, and that, like you said, take a half off, take an hour. Good. You know, he could come, he might disappear. Shut up. Yeah. Because if he saw it and he's now he's gone, he's probably coming around behind you somewhere. Right. So. You know, and I've, I've screwed that up where all of a sudden I'm like, son of a, you know, he's gone. All of a sudden there he is and he's right behind me. Yep. And there I just blew it. Yeah. I wasn't watching what I was doing. Yeah. Or if you don't have a decoy you call from a long distance and let's just say you're in an area where you're in pretty tight, meaning there's a lot of back cover on you, a lot of real heavy cover around the outside edges of you. I have a creek bottom in front of my place that, that's really good for doing this. And you call to a deer 100, 120 yards down the way, and he turns, he starts coming, mm -hmm. you don't have to call again. Because what will happen, when you call again, he's going to jump into that thick stuff and yeah. going to bypass you. Yeah, once they get to a certain point, they already know where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And if you call again, now they know you're not. Yep. You know, and it's, you can call a decoy. Yep. Um, but, you know, we like to call... If we don't have a decoy and we call, we like to call somewhere where they have to expose themselves. Yep. And don't call directly at the deer. Yeah, call away from it. Yeah, turn turn your head, take your grunt, turn your head away. Either way, it doesn't matter. You yeah. have to keep your eye on grunt and then slowly turn your head back to take a look and see what the deer is doing. But if you grunt directly at him, they are very, very, very good at sound location. Mm -hmm. And they will either decide to come or not come. Yeah. It's over. Well, that's a big one. As for rattling, we have blind rattled a couple times. Yep. Uh, it's been productive. I'll show you guys a little bit of footage here, but um, <clears throat> you know you yeah. got to be in the right spot for that yeah, activity with, too. I think with our rattling, which we we tell everybody is, we like to be somewhere where deer can't see where you're at. Hundred percent. You know, thick. If you're in a stand, you know, Carl knows this. I like to have a couple of stands that are right on the edge of. What are you doing there? Mm -hmm. um, that's a that's a stand where you rattle out of. Yeah, you know because you're in there tight. Yeah, and they're like somebody somebody in my bedding. Yeah, you know and they can't see. They're gonna expose themselves. Yeah, you know they give you a rattling. You gotta watch yourself. You gotta watch your movement. Um, and when you rattle, you gotta really watch, really pay attention to what's going on. Yeah, and you don't have to do long rattling sequences. No. Don't don't do what you Just see on some of these videos. Beating the hell out of horns or a bag for ten minutes. Yeah, you no. know, just a, enough. 
they're gonna you you hear that very clearly yeah you know in a quiet wood setting you know oh. carries yeah so you know short little you know maybe a, a call yeah with that and then just shut up yep and let them come look you know and you gotta be patient yeah i will if, <laughs> if i do any blind rattling let's just say if i do a blind rattling sequence you're looking at at least a half hour to 45 minutes yep. if not an hour before i would even attempt to try it again mm -hmm. Um, and then if I do rattle, let's just say in that location I was telling you guys earlier down in that creek bottom, if I rattle all of a sudden I have a deer 200 yards down and comes into that cut edge of the cornfield down there, I will not rattle at him again. Mm -hmm. If he transfers up the, like last year, the drop eight, he headed up that ridge. But where he, when he couldn't see me, then I grunted at him. Mm -hmm. And what did he do? He'd come right down that edge, drop right down, and that's where I killed him. Yep. Same deal. Uh, Mike's killed multiple bucks like that. That's actually where I learned that is uh, when we had this lease years back, we had this one inside corner that was real productive for rattling and calling. And Mike killed, I don't know how many bucks in there, three or four at least, with that type of setup. And uh, that's, that's a good way, to, good way to do it. But never, you know, the whole idea is to get their interest peaked and then make them come look for you. It's like hide and seek. Except this time, when the seeker gets close, you get to kill him. Right. You know, I mean, that's kind of how we, how we would go about that. But, you know, pre-rut, food-wise, you know, currently in southern Wisconsin, we got a lot of acorns. It's a big deal. Yeah, um, a ton of them again. Realize this. Acorn is like, uh, you know, uh, it's not like successional growth or anything. Like, it's like them when they're in the wintertime, when they're eating twigs and stuff like that. It's hard for their bodies to digest. So they need water. Yep. Water is water. a good place to be uh, this time of year if you know your deer are feeding on acorns. Yep. But here's the other part. If you've got green fields, that's water to deer. Mm -hmm. So our brassica plots, things like that, if you have brassicas or whatever, not bean fields. Right. You know, corn will be productive because it's high in carbohydrates. They're trying to add you know, feed or fat to their bodies and trying yep. to get all that going. But uh, I, you know, those are food locations that I can think of during the pre-rut. Right. You know. But. Yeah. Still remember, you know, remember your entries and your exits, all these stands. Um, even though they're aggressive, you got to be able to get in and out. You know? Yeah. So, you know, don't think you can get in something in the morning that you shouldn't be in in the morning, or vice versa. Yeah. At night. Remember, you're always trying to keep your deer uneducated of you hunting them. If you educate them. I don't care if it's the pre-rut or not, they'll move. Yeah. So, hopefully that answered all the questions. No, it didn't. It didn't. I, I have know. questions. I still have questions. Every time I'm there. <laughs> we appreciate you guys checking us out. We appreciate you guys listening. If you want to listen to the podcast alone, you can check us out at Spotify, Google. iHeart. RSS.com. Amazon. Check out our beautiful, beautiful faces. Right here on YouTube. You know you want. If you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the Reaper in the lower right-hand corner. Also, check us out on our Instagram. Of course, we're real active on Instagram. You guys are going to see us with all the pictures and stuff that's happening, what we're doing in the woods. Uh, check us out right at Rush Outdoors WI or check us out at The Obsession Podcast Hunting. Uh, there will also be links to all the podcasts on all of that. Or if you guys want to watch it on YouTube, you'll be able to watch it there on Instagram also. We appreciate each and every one of you. Good luck out there. Good luck. We'll see you next week. Later.